not here. He's in Oregon, but believe it or not, he's in Oregon uh, working the controls of the uh, being recorded tonight and taking care of so you'll still be able to get the material from tonight. So I want to continue with Hosea. It's uh, again, I tell you, it's amazing to me how many people have never really heard of Hosea let alone the outrageous story that goes along with it. I mean, it's just it's, there's not an awareness of it. But I hope you're following as we're walking through this. And I hope you're following here with, it just feels weird to teach this, that you're following along with this prostitute wife that was called Gomer. And I, I want to look at, at tonight, to, to begin anyways, to just go back to chapter 1 and verse 8. So, when she, it says, that's Gomer, the wife, had weaned lo Rahuma, she conceived, gave birth to a son. The Lord said, name him Lo-Emi, for you are not my people, and I am not your God. Then in chapter 2 and verse 1, it says, say to your brothers, Ami, and to your sisters, Romua. Now, let me just stop right there because I, I am certain that it's about maybe 1% that understand what's going on here. Not, not all the people do. So, so let me translate that into more obvious English. When the Hebrew people, and you know this, I've gone over, but I want to touch it in just a little bit different fashion. When they named either themselves or specifically their children, they named them in sentences, okay? That's important to know. I, I know that when you read the scripture and you read a name like Abraham, you don't realize that in the Hebrew language, you've just said a sentence. A- and prior to his being called Abraham, you'll remember that his name, he was called Abram, which again is another sentence. And I can keep going on because every name that you read in the Old Testament is a sentence. Or or sometimes it can be a complete idea. But never, never did they ever name their children the same way that we do. When I come to the scripture and I come to those scripture names, I, I hear this. Now, please understand, first of all, that names were sacred. And they looked upon names as, as being dropped into the parents' hearts by God. And therefore, when they named their children in a little sentence, that name then described the child. It was a sentence that described who the child is in their very innermost being. They, they grew into that name, okay? Okay. And said about them, and and what it said about them, and it became, for them, it would become literally their guiding light. In other words, that's me. That's that's my destiny. Abraham, for example, means what? Father of a multitude. Father of a multitude. I, I know it's hard for us to think like that. When the Hebrews spoke to Abraham, they were saying, father of a multitude father of a multitude. We don't think like that. That's my point. When they said their name, they were saying literally a sentence. And, and, and for example, Daniel, all right? The, the word means God is my judge. That is within my lifetime, God will judge and make everything right. Now, I, again, I, I, I could keep going because, again, every name was a sentence, but it identified the child. It was sacred. God gave me this name, and I'm going into this name to become this name. You have to understand that as you read verses like this, then it says in verse 6 of chapter 1, name her, this this little child, Lo-Ramua. So what does Lo-Ramua mean? In plain English, it means that this child does not know the compassion of God. This child doesn't know the love of God. And in that sense, is walking out into the world 
without any sense of what we've been seeing in, in, in the past weeks, the agape. This little child doesn't understand agape. And then she has a brother, uh, Lo Ami. And that means that the child has no sense of belonging. Now, <clears throat> it's basically saying, I don't belong, right? I, I mean, this is horrible, but that, that was reflective of Gomer. This, this woman who was in a marriage in which there was no love. And, and she was producing children that then he says, they're not mine. The children bore these names, which, again, pointed to the woman, but then also beyond that, pointed to Israel in their relationship to God. That's the whole point. But then in chapter 2 comes the announcement from the Lord. He said, say it to your brother, Ami. Well, wait a minute, just a minute. I thought his name was Lo Ami. No, God has changed his name. Ami is now one who, one that is received. One that is received. This is one who could say, I'm somebody. I'm, 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 I'm a person. I'm not just a somebody, I'm God's somebody. And then it says, call your sister Ramua. Oh, therefore, that means I am love. He just flips it completely. And the beloved child that this child has, understand, this child has come from Eros, which we've been talking about, which is totally unloved, under the name of love. This one has come to agape and knows love. I hope you understand that. It's the exact opposite there. It wasn't just, okay, now, you know, calling your kid names, you know, no, this, this and, and I say it again, a name was sacred, and the words that were spoken carried with them. So when he said this change that is coming, that this unbelievable change that is coming to the family, that there were, there was no love there, where there was no love, there shall be love. Where there was no sense of anything, or I mean, I'm a, I'm a nothing, you know. I've become God something. That's the whole point. Th that's why I want to look at this. Uh, and how does God change our identity? At the source and the center of our being, we are our name. And, 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 and that's where true name arises from. That's, that's my identity. That's the story here, and, and I could, you know, uh, could I remind you in this story that Baal, which this book continually refers to, and, and Gomer, who was a temple prostitute, in the temples of Baal itself, understand this Baal was rooted in that word that we talked about from the very beginning, that word eros. We're not talking about some paganism in ancient days, please. This isn't some weird religion that basically was believed by ancient people. Let me say it very carefully. Baal, Eros, is still with us today. Now, it, it changes. It, it changes its name. And, and Satan always changes its name. But he can't change I should say he can't change his purpose. That's important to understand. But it changes its name. And today we find Eros all around us. That's that's the sad thing. And 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 I don't I mean really, I mean I don't have to tell you, but we live in America, right? Oh boy. And but you can find this all over the world. I don't care whether it's Europe, UK, Canada, wherever. I meet with Eros, and what I meet with Eros in many times is religion. How does the Holy Spirit bring us out of Eros religion and bring us into agape, or the love of God? How does, how does that happen? How does it work? Because that, that, 
honestly, this is what it's all about. God begins this chapter 2 with an announcement for purpose, incredible purpose. I'm going to rebirth this family from being the ones who have absolutely no concept of love, no concept of who they are, to bring them into the beloved in their own consciousness and, and to know that they are God's somebody. So how does it work? Come to the very center of your being. That's the thing I want you to know. Come to the very center of your being. Let me explain some things. Very few people visit that center. Uh, very few. Many have locked and, and, and barred the door so you can't get to the center. You see, I, I don't know who I am. Oh. And, and honestly, if you don't know who you are, that's a terrifying place to be. But if we can get to our center, and in that center, the best way I can put it, where imagination really works. When we get to our center, in that center is where imagination, look, uh, it's sort of a heart movie, if I can put it that way. And in that movie, you, you see yourself. It's that place, it's the very heart of your being where I look at I and say me, it's at the heart in that place where I speak of who I am, I be, I is. No one else can see that place. And it's the center of, of you, and, and no one can hear what goes on in there, only you. And, and I go into that center, what I do is I, I meet me, okay? That's how I see me. Now, I know what name was given to you by your parents, but in fact, you know, the reality is we operate, I'll call it by Hebrew names, how's that? Because almost as soon as your parents had given you what we call you, <laughs> they went on to give you real names in little sentences. A lot of us grew up with those little sentences. You know, uh, why can't you be more like your sister? Little sentence. I wish you were never born. Little sentence. You know, I don't have to go on and on and on. You know what I'm talking about. Those little sentences, they become our name. And we take that and we put it down there in the heart movie. That's who I am. And whether, you know, those sentences come from our parents or our friends or our brothers or our sisters or our aunts or our uncles, we keep on taking these names, especially as a child, and we put them down there in our heart. In the, you are declaring to yourself, this is who I am. When this is at your heart level, it's something that we have taken and, and we take it to ourselves. And in that place, we, we, we hear the whisper of Eros. Eros. Now, if I could remind you, is, is that, that, you know, that it's a horrific satanic force. It's got nothing to do with God whatsoever. Eros says what? Remember, I only want the highest. I only want the best. I, 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 don't, I don't want, I, I, I reject the ugly. I reject the failures. I don't even want to look at those who don't make it. I just, you know, forget. I don't want to have to deal with those that don't. You know, that's Eros. When we are in the world of Eros, and I look at myself, and I say, huh, I'm a failure. I haven't made it. I'm a loser. And they become our names. And, and that's where my thoughts then come from. Your, th your thoughts just don't happen, okay? My thoughts 
don't just happen. My thoughts arise. Hear that. They just, you know, look. And, and if, if it's what we're talking about here, then it's like some poisonous gas, like you're in a swamp someplace, okay? The gas rises. And as a result, the thoughts that come into our head and all those negative thoughts, because they belong to a person who's already been damned by their own name. So that's where my imagination comes from. The, imagine, the imagination that people actually live in. Fear. They live in anxiety. And all this in a nonstop movie of the imagination. Why? Because it's coming out of a name that's already been determined as a failure and hopelessness and a loser, whichever way it comes over. I mean, really. You do realize that at the center, Arok is alive. It comes from the original lion. It's, it's the twisting of the beautiful love of God. I said the twisting of the beautiful love of God, which is the reverse of agape that reaches out to give himself away to all, and that includes the least and the less and the ugly and the failures. He comes and he gives himself. That's agape. Aaron says, I don't want you. Huh. You, you, you. You're not good enough. You're not pretty enough. You, 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 got, you got to try hard enough to be acceptable. Hmm. Truth be known, religion's built on that. Uh, I mean, there are a lot of people on Sunday morning that, be, that are being given what I call eros messages. They're sitting in church and they're being told, you're no good. You're a failure. And, and they're being told, if, if you try harder, maybe, perhaps, God then will, will love you. That, that's eros. And it goes under the name religion. I'm a nobody. I'm, I'm nothing. I'm, un, I'm, I'm an unworthy. I'm trash. I belong to nobody. That's the name of the child, lo ami. And, and, and not my people, not, not one of mine, a, a nobody. It's, it's a nothing. That's how it is. You see, down here at that center, if I ever get down there and, and I dare to listen to the questions, who am I? Who am I? I, I don't know who I am. Why, why am I here? Where, where am I going? I, am I a person? I would say probably not, but you know. so so what do we do? Well, we end up sealing off the center. I, I don't want to go there. I don't want to. I don't want to see myself. When when you know when I talk to some people about this, they get extremely agitated, and in some cases, you see these crocodile duck back alligator tears. <laughs> I'm sorry, but they, they can't handle talking about that. They can't. So what do we do? We, what we do is we seal it off, and we now find ourselves in an exterior fashion, you know, out here by, by what I do, my accomplishments, we'll say. You ask a person who you are, and they'll answer you, by what they do. That should tell you something right away. They have no sense that behind what I do, there is a being. There's a, there's a person. Who's the person? Want to, you, you, you want to talk about it? I, 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 don't, I don't know. I, I, I'm afraid to even ask, you know, but I'm so lost, so I'll come out there where it's safe. And that's why many people, let me, let me just say this, after they retire, it's only a matter of a few weeks before they, they die because they're lost. 
their identity is, is gone. I mean, when they stop doing. Their performance has been who they are. But I'm here to tell you tonight, that's a lie. I perform out of who I am. I am, I is me. And my performance, that is what changes because of who I am. The day that I think of myself as a teacher, I'm finished. Because it means that one day I'll be stopping teaching. I'm done. And, and the, the, you know, the, the, no. There's, there's me. There's an I. I hope you see what I'm saying here. Because, look, if, if you're aware of the covenant, which we've done many times here, we've talked about it over and over. Do you remember the main statement of God's covenant with us? He says, I will be your God and you shall be my people. You could put that as I'll be your God. In other words, that, as I, that is I'm, I'm giving myself and, and, and notice, I, I will be your God, as if he's saying, possess me. Uh, I'm giving myself to you, because that's agape. And then he said, when you know that, you will be my people. You'll have an identity. You'll be a person. You'll be one of my somebodies. And the covenant word, he's saying... You, you've broken the covenant. You, you, you've forgotten the covenant. Did you ever know that there was a covenant wherein we are bound together by love? Look, let's be honest. There's no neutral ground here. If I am not in this covenant that agape makes with me, in which uh, I, I know I am loved, and, and I know I am God's somebody, if that isn't the case, Say it again. There's no neutral ground here. I am then, like it or not, in a covenant relationship with Eros. I'm either in the one or the other. You can't say, well, I'm just sitting here thinking about it. No, <laughs> no. We, by creation, were made to be joined to someone. And if it isn't the covenant, we were created to be one with him, then I find myself in, okay, I guess in all honesty, I don't, I don't know if a covenant was the right word to use concerning eros, because with eros, it's not a covenant. Eros doesn't know how to make a covenant, because covenant is giving myself away. And Eros only grabs and, and, and it takes you back into a deep, dark hole. It's what it does. Eros doesn't make covenants. Eros makes contracts, not covenants. So that leaves me then, uh, my, no place to go. I'm in a sense of despair. It, you know, it's, but yet at that same point, it, it's like a safe zone that, have you ever noticed that some people feel very safe in the negative? Ever, ever seen that? They, they don't know what to do in a, in a celebratory life kind of thing because that's the way it is. We've been sucked into Eros, and Eros tells me I'm no good. Eros rejects me. Even in the middle of the Old Testament, God does not recognize our separation from him. If you want a, a little sentence there that will comfort you, God does not recognize our self-separation from him. He refuses to recognize it. This is what old day is all about, friends. He, he doesn't believe lies. He is the truth, and therefore he he only speaks truth, sees truth. He only knows truth. All, all, all of the 
eros and, and all that, that goes with it, I should say, and all of our running away from truth, God sees right through it to the truth. And the truth is that I don't care who you is on this planet, you belong to him. And, and God, you know, like it or not, you are a somebody. And, 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 you know, know it or not, you are the beloved of God, not because of something you've done out here, but because of who God is. And, and that's the truth. We live in the darkness, blind, the lie, the, the twistedness of Eros. So he says right here at the head of this chapter, that is what I'm doing in your life, guys. This is what I'm doing with Gomer. This is what I'm doing with the family. I'm going to reverse your names. You'll be an act of God to take the sacred sentence and turn it into truth. You'll be called Ami and Rahuma. <laughs> okay, let me take us right to where we live today, if I can do that. Salvation must be the salvation of your heart, center, and imagination. <laughs> I'm going to give you a moment to let that sink in. You need to write your word on that. Salvation must be the salvation of your heart, center, and imagination. Now, now hear me when I say that's why there are multitudes who go to church and never get to actually living the Christian life because they went to church in order not to go to hell. And so everything is to do with the future and not, you know, that takes place after death instead of recognize right now as I live, I am operating out of the name that, 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 that's alive, that, that's been put on me. And, it's, and salvation means Christ comes by his Holy Spirit and throws light upon that. It means when Jesus died and carried us to death, it was that. That went to death. I, 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 look, I, I don't know how you think about it. When, when I died with Christ... Which, which part died? The little finger? The big toe? What do you mean? I died with Christ. I. The I that is twisted. The I that is distorted. The I that doesn't really exist. And what you come back to is Ephesians chapter 4, that, that the mind, okay, it's describing those who haven't seen the truth. And it says their mind is darkened. It says they walk in futility. I, I don't know where I'm going. I don't know who I am. That's futility. It says their understanding is so dark. And I hate to put it this way, but they're ignorant. And, and it was that that Jesus took to the cross. It was that that he died. And what Jesus took to the cross, it, again, it was that he, he, he died with. He carried our twisted, darkened mind and imagination and heart where all the lies originate. And he took that and was crucified. I was crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. I. liver <laughs> in my kidneys where, where does he live in that temple it says in first corinthians chapter 2 that we now have the mind of christ the mind means look it up imagination see myself seeing god Hear me when I tell you, he calls us by the name 
that he knows is our real name are no or beloved. Beloved. We approach the cameras as we say to somebody next to us, I'm beloved. We just laugh at them because we're thinking eros. So at the head of the chapter, he announces this, this radical. I hope you got the idea how radical it really is. This is your identity, your name before God, who I see myself to be. He says, I'm going to change it. I'm, I'm going to change it. And that change demands a lot more than, than, than a signature on paper. That, that, that's a change in my identity. Your name will no longer be a me, but a me beloved. I should say, your, your name will no longer be low a me, but a me beloved. This, this is a grace intervention, friend, that brings us to know literally who we are. When you come back to the Hebrews and the people sort of behind this book, they all keep on keeping on, trucking on. But they never really got it. They were called by names that are almost too sacred to even mention. But the wonder of God's love in their life, and they, for, they quickly forgot it. For example, do you remember when they faced the giants in the land of Canaan? Remember what happened? They said that we are grasshoppers. The people who are God's somebodies were grasshoppers. Do you realize what they're saying? We're insects. We're little bugs. And all the insects, yeah, I mean, I'm just, I'm sorry, I'm blown away. Of all the insects that they could have said that they were, like maybe we are tarantulas. But no, they said grasshoppers. They're those pesky little buggy things that, you know, if you live a living daylights out of you wouldn't take a step on the ground and But as it goes with identity, in Numbers chapter 13, they said we are in our own sights. That's what they said. In our own sight, we are grasshoppers before these people. We are grasshoppers in their sight. No one ever told them that. No one ever told them that. They made that up just like we all do. We see ourselves through the eyes of Eros, the lie. We hear the whispers. And, and, and if you notice, that voice inside always sounds like your voice. It's a lie from the liar, and he puts us down and says, you're no good. You're unworthy. God couldn't love you. Well, if that's the case, then that's who I am. So you must see me the same way, so I'll hide from you because I'm no good. I have seen so many who are hurting and see themselves as hopeless losers, worthless. And the only reason they, they do that is that's their name. That's the name they've been given. But you see what happens if I go to my fellow Christians and say, I am beloved. I'm the apple of his eye. They say, oh, we're supposed to say we are most miserable sinners and have sinned and thought in our minds and conscience. So, understand, humility is speaking the truth. That's what humility, humility is the simple truth. This is who I am. No, no more than that, I mean, no less than that. And, and to say the whole thing comes because I'm in union with God who loves me. That's humility. Look, I, I am somebody. I am a child of God. I am familiar with the Father. I live in Christ face to face with the Father. 
That's not pride. That's the simple truth. Hello? Your, your identity announces the limitations of your life. Try that one off yourselves. If that's who I am, I can only go so far within that limitation of who I think myself to be. It's a, it's a prison of my identity. And I say prison because it's a false identity. It's a religious identity. Look, idolatry is the product of a dark imagination. Idolatry is not just picking up a stick and worshiping it. Before you put the stick in the ground to worship it, you thought about it. And, and, and you had imaginations. And based on your imagination, you cut down this stick and you shape it and you fashion it and you put it in. It's an imagination where you are creating in your mind a God that's different and contradicts the real God. Well, it, it, my imagination is dark. If, if I'm broken at the center where I imagine who I am and imagine who God is, then, then idolatry means I've lost my ability to hear God is hear what God is saying because I, I'm now locking my imagination into something else. You see, the newness of God, it's never entered into the imagination of men. It's beyond us, and that's why in, in that scripture that I'm, I'm quoting there from 1 Corinthians chapter 2, that, that, that we have the mind of Christ. Oh, I love it when Paul writes this. I mean, do, do you remember what it says? I'm referring to the sentence there. You got it in your notes before that. It says, well, it's, it's, it's quoting literally in Corinthians, the book of Isaiah. He said, I has not seen nor ear has heard. It's never entered into the heart. Again, heart, imagination of man, what God has prepared for those who love him. But the Holy Spirit, he goes on to say, told us all about that because we have the mind of Christ. That is that old imagination that couldn't imagine the love of God, couldn't even think about it. Now the Holy Spirit has come, and he's come in and has opened our eyes, and we can now see who we really are and what we're really destined to be. We now think with the mind of Christ, not the mind of of Eros. Does that make any sense? You're all looking at me like deer in the headlights. I'll say it again. Jesus took it to death. He died for our sins. Okay, where do those sins come from? What is sin? And, and, and you have to go right back to the heart where we have twisted and we have distorted and we think on, and we meditate on, and we say, this is who I am. That name, that, that little sentence name that Satan gives us, and we believe it. He took that to death, and he rose from the dead, and the first words that he said to Mary, the first human after the resurrection to meet him, he said, I ascend to my father and... Your father. Get that. You've got a new identity. God is your father. And he's my father. It's a change. Okay? It's a change. That word, the, the, the biblical word instead of repentance is what? Uh, I'd much rather it means the radical and lightning of the mind to see and understand truth truth is it begins in the imagination it begins right there in my heart
heart. That's why I see God as he really is. And then that's where I see myself as I really am. Metanoia. The radical change where the Holy Spirit teaches us. That's what this chapter is saying. Let me say it again. At the head of the chapter, some pretty rough things he's going to say in the following verses. But he said, let's get this straight from the beginning. This, this is where we're going. What arrests me in, in, re, in the reading of these chapters is that God himself is involved in the process of introducing this poor, wretched family to know his immediate love so that this thing is, 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 is under a picture that Hosea was going through literally in real life. God says, my relationship with you, you you've got to understand, is on the same idea as marriage. Boy, I could have given you that verse. But he says, he says, I have forgiven you, and I have filled you with my spirit. You're somebody. You're my child. Therefore, it's the image of marriage. And, and just think about it. Just, just think about this. Every morning at breakfast, I got on my knees before Kathy, and I said, I'm, I'm no good. I've, I've failed you in thought and in word and in deed. I, I can't imagine why you would even look at me. And she would say, I'm too holy for that, Jim. I'm going to get in trouble for that in a minute. The best way I know how to explain it, it's, it's, that's religion, isn't it? That's what people are being taught. No. It's marriage to Gomer, this woman of the book. This is a woman that Hosea had gone to the temple of Baal and had got this prostitute. And we have her name. She is married to Hosea. And, and the message is that God says, that's my dealing with you. I want you to see it in, in, in that what is going on here. I mean, you see. He's got a unique relationship to this one. She's just not any woman. This is a woman. My woman. We got married, and you have treated me like a piece of garbage. Piece of dirt. You, you walked out on me. You, you've got, I mean, it doesn't make any difference. I married you. You're my wife. That's why I'm coming after you. That's why I will not leave you nor forsake you. That's why I'm going to follow you wherever you go and keep telling you I love you because you are my wife. Now, I hope you're not just thinking out of an eros box, but an agape understanding. He's already got a unique relationship before we even get started, really. This isn't a contract. God has entered into covenant with us. He's given himself to us, and the only thing on this planet we can make an image of this as is, is marriage. He bound himself to us. So he continually comes to this woman, continually, and says, I love you, I love you, what are you doing I love you, and I'm going to get you, and when I get you, this is the blessing I'm going to pick. This is the love that you're going to come to know. I promise you. You won't, you won't let her alone. It's, it's the same as the shepherd that Jesus talked about that we've brought up many times. He said, my sheep, my sheep is lost. He didn't go hunting wild animals, right? He, he was looking for my sheep. And he might have found other sheep along the way, but they're not his. I'm looking for my sheep. He said to this one, you're my woman. He says to us, you are my people. You're lost, but you're mine. I mean, the woman, remember the woman who in Luke 15 lost her coin? 
Well, if, if you lose a $100 bill, it doesn't stop being a $100 bill. It might fall into the Pacific, right, and lay on the bottom in some mud, but it's still a $100 bill. It doesn't lose its face value. It's just out of currency right now, out of circulation. It means I'm not getting the benefit of a $100 bill, but it's my $100 bill, and it's still worth belong. You're not just a thing that emerged out of a manger, right? But you are his person. He's saying you're my person. And because of that, your worth is still there. You have right here, it's an encounter, okay? The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. It's the only way I can say it, that this Woman, Gomer, it's an encounter. God stands in front of her, and you got an encounter. Look, there's only one truth. Jesus said, I am the truth. He didn't say, I have a piece of it. He didn't say, I speak the truth. He said, I am it. Truth is a person. And truth cannot be divided into your truth and my truth. I've talked to people before and they've told me, well, you know, that's, that's your truth. No. Truth is not something that I made up. Truth is like an absolute. And if I don't like it, tough. It's still the truth. Jesus is the truth. The one truth. And in that person, I meet the love of God. The love of God is the ultimate truth. I'll say it again. The love of God is the ultimate truth. The love of God is the ultimate truth. And that truth is it. But understand, he meets us wherever we are. I mean, he's meeting this lady on Baal Road. She's a Baal temple prostitute. And he's meeting her on that road in all its, in all its corruption, its shame, guilt, and he's, he's not afraid of her. He meets us where we are, and he loves us where we are. But in so doing, he does not affirm me in where I am. That is huge to remember. You know, again, I say, his truth says to me, everything you believe is wrong. And, and that's love that's speaking to me. He's not judging me. He's telling me that this is the best for you. Look, God does not affirm me when I'm wrong. God's love is not that sloppy thing that, that doesn't, you know, want to upset you. So just let sleeping dogs lie kind of thing. No. Look, I wonder how many have misunderstood, really, what love is. Love, doesn't con love does not let you continue in what is wrong. Hello. God doesn't love us to death because he doesn't want to disturb us, right? Look, he loves everybody, but that doesn't mean that he affirms everybody where they're, where they're at. Love loves everybody and meets us where we are in our lostness like the shepherd and the sheep he'll meet us in our darkness but he doesn't let us stay there when he meets us he says i am the way i'm the truth and i find it overwhelming that god comes to us and reveals that he's the truth look he loves you to bring you on to solid and that's what's happening in Hosea. He loves her, but he won't leave her alone. He continually tells her, this is going to kill you. The path you're on is the path of death. But he loved her unconditionally. Where she is, what she believes, and he keeps on. He, he won't leave her alone. In Luke 15, 
what Jesus does is he presents himself as the great seeker. He's seeking the lost. In seeking the lost, he is the disturber of the lost. I like that. I, I, I get into that. The sheep was having a great time and it was gradually killing itself. The shepherd disturbed the sheep. He said, we're getting out of here. The son came back home to the father with that, that, that crazy speech of his because in, in his safety, I mean, that speech is a safety zone. He felt he could say, you know, I've sinned against heaven and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me one of your own, you know, hired servants. I feel good about that speech. Yeah, that'll, that'll do it. That, the father disturbed him and trashed his speech. He said, you're that's disturbing to somebody who is convinced that they're not. We're dealing with a God who loves us, who comes to where we are, and who will never let us down. That's what we have in Hosea. He came and he says, I'm going to change everything. I'm going to change your identity to the point where your very inner name that you're that you call yourself will be changed. Let me come back to what I said before, that this, this is a story, but the Holy Spirit takes the heart of the story. In fact, takes the very verses that I've just read. Now, and, and in the New Testament, he says, this is what Jesus has done. He's changed your name. He's introduced you to love, and, and you're, you're, you're being as a worthy important person in Christ. That, that's 2 Peter chapter 9, in case you want to look at where that is. Again, there are multitudes today that have been for a great part of their life in a situation that, that, you know, that we've talked about these last couple weeks that we've called the eros or the twisted love. I mean, they talk agape, right? God, God, God's love. But then immediately when they talk God's love, they revert to eros. So God loves you, they tell us. God, God loves you, but then you, you've got to try and please him, right? You, you've got to try harder and better and dedicate yourself. You're never good enough. That's why I continually dedicate, continually going, I, I'm no good. I'm, I, that, 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 that's being humble. And that's be, you know, how I worship. I'm not worthy and I'm no good. That's eros. That's, that's a twisted. The love of God is on God's shoulders. We've said this. I don't have to convince God that I'm lovable. I don't have to twist his arm to make him love me. God loves me because God is love. Now, now I can rest. I can rest. God loves me to the point where he gave himself to me in Christ and carried me to death and raised me from the dead to seat me at the right hand in Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. That's, it's, it's, it's what God has done. Look, let's put it simple. Faith is resting in what God has done. We don't trust God, so we just plow into it ourselves. We, we remind ourselves of our, our, our names. We've got to do it. It's, it's up to me. I'm failing. I've got to make it work. I, Eros says, I know he did that. I know he did that. But, but now you have got to convince him that you want him. You've You've got to convince him that you're lovable. That's where thousands of Christians live. That despair of, I'm not loved. But I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm a nobody. But I hope, hope God, is, God is happy with what I'm doing because, you know, that's the reason we're in Hosea. This is how God turns us from thinking of ourselves According to the lie. God comes and he changes us. Hallelujah. 
It's a transformation. It's a transfiguration. It's a resurrection out of death is what it is. I am made a new person. I'm a new creation. Behold, all, you know, old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become. It's a new person from my heart. Why are you in a relationship with Jesus Christ? What has he done which the Bible, I mean, okay, the Bible calls the new covenant, which the newness of life. I want to ask you to do something. I'm asking you to imagine what Jesus has done. Don't give me the cross picture and the resurrection picture. You know, that's, but I want you to imagine what he has brought heaven to earth. He has transformed us, filled us with his love. The only expression you can use is marriage or dancing or feasting. All those words are in the Bible. They say, use your imagination. What does that look like? What do you look like in that? Oh, well, you know, you got to go there. Imagination is sinful sometimes, right? You know, don't use your imagination. You need to bring every thought into captivity. You need to read the verses before that and after that. Look. I hope you understand what I'm saying. I'm not just saying these things. I'm trying to give you food for your Holy Spirit imagination. This is you. This is me. And he has transformed us. He's given us new names. I'm no longer called Shorty. <laughs> I'm Biggie. Wally. Let me just say this, and I'll write this down before I got into the He says, I'll give you a new identity whereby you'll speak of how much you are loved. You'll know that you're God's son. You're God's son. Father, thank you for your word tonight. Leading and guiding us into an understanding of identity, an understanding of sanctity, an understanding of imagination, taking us deeper, opening our eyes. But Lord, it doesn't just stop with an hour's worth of words. I pray, Holy Spirit, stir it up inside. Don't let it escape. Continually, just challenge us, confront us. Disturb us. Where those imaginations continue to believe a lie from Eros, the enemy, let us be reminded and reminded and reminded loved me and agape gave himself bless them strengthen them equip them guide them greater is he that is in you than that lying in Jesus name amen would you stand with me tonight I'm really looking forward to the next couple of weeks as we finish this out. Because when you think, you know, what, what's left? You know, there's a lot left. There's a lot left. I know you're Catholics and you're looking for more answers. But my heart bleeds for, I see so many Christians who have a mindset, a religious mindset, and they wear out their spirit. And they're you'll find there's not much commitment. It's all about trying harder if they are trying to commit. 
doing all the right things and getting life to be perfect and not accept things like that. I I find that most of them just give up and they give away. And keep the center all all barred up and, 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 and locked down so that Firm you in the last because people bump into it. He's not afraid of it. And he says, I'm the way out and I'm the truth. I am the way, the truth, and the what? Think good about old Charlie Brown. Father, bless them. He's all this robe. You want to find a place of prayer? We're here for you. Love one another. Greet one another. Maybe go up to somebody and go. Eh.